I'm Kelly Kiedis-Ogborn, Vice President of Space Commerce and Entrepreneurship at Space Foundation, and welcome to The Vector, where we discuss topics and trends driving the global space ecosystem. Today, I am so, so excited to be joined by Dr. John Wensbein, who is Chief Innovation Officer at Nova Southeastern University and Executive Director of the Allen B. LeVan NSU Broward Center of Innovation, where he is responsible for overseeing a multi-million dollar public-private partnership to support the growing entrepreneurial ecosystem in Broward County and South Florida. John is also the official advisor to the mayor of Broward County on innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. He's an official member of the Forbes Technology Council and a TEDx speaker. His higher education experience includes faculty and senior leadership positions at Miami-Dade College, Purdue University, Dowling College, and Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Beyond that experience, he has held many senior leadership positions at Mango Aviation Partners, Radix International, Airline Visions, InterVistas, uh, Marriott Vacation Club International, MaxJet Airways, and Canada 3000 Airlines. He has a master's and PhD degree in international air transport and business from Cardiff University in the United Kingdom, and a Bachelor of Arts in Geography and Transportation Land Use Planning from the University of Victoria in Canada. John, thank you so, so much for being on today. Thank you. I appreciate the great introduction. I got to shorten that bio. <laughs> that was a short conversion. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'm so happy to have you on because clearly, you know, you have worn many hats, done many things, and especially today when we're talking about, you know, thriving innovation ecosystems, how to create them, how to grow them, and how to sustain them. And, you know, I've had the fortunate pleasure to work with you at the Levan Center, and we'll, we'll get into those initiatives later, but you guys have just had such tremendous growth in in your infancy years, which truly you are still part of. And so I'd love to really start the conversation there about talking about the Levan Center, you know, a little bit about what it is, but more so how you've been able to really enable this um, massive following and reach beyond Broward County for all of the different innovations uh, areas that you serve. Well, I think I, the easiest thing to do is to start with a little bit of history. So it was actually three years ago this last week that I'd been in, in my new role with dual titles. Mm -hmm. And what led up to the creation of that role before I was ever involved was a emerging trend that's been occurring in South Florida as a region. And, and South Florida, for the, for the listening audience, represents Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm Beach as the three big cities. And then they're tied together, but they're not necessarily linked together collaboratively. And you've got these geographic boundaries that really extend throughout the tri-county area. Each of the counties has its own agenda, and there's a common agenda where each wants to be a tech hub. And some will debate they already are a tech hub, and that's how it's marketed and branded. And I will debate that there's no such thing as a tech hub in South Florida, but there is an emerging innovation hub that's being created within the region. And a lot of those pieces of the puzzle don't necessarily connect with each other, but over the last three years, and in particular the last year, those pieces of the puzzle have actually started to come together, mainly as a result of the uh, Levan Center of Innovation that has been uh, created and, and it's brand new. 
So the premise behind the Levan Center originally started with a philanthropist uh, specific to the greater Fort Lauderdale area that was very concerned about the future and said, I'm really worried about tech talent and are we going to be able to start technology companies and recruit technology companies specifically to the Fort Lauderdale area in the future if we don't have the right qualified skilled talent to be able to support that, which then led to a conversation with the president of Nova Southeastern University, and, and I'll refer to it as NSU from this point onwards. NSU is the largest private university in the state of Florida. Uh, in addition to our main campus in Fort Lauderdale, we have eight regional campuses throughout the state of Florida, as well as Puerto Rico and uh, Denver, Colorado, and we continue to grow and, and will become even more international in the not too distant future. The president, the philanthropist, and then the commissioners and the mayor of Broward County all got together and collectively agreed that a public-private partnership really did need to be formed in Broward County, where Fort Lauderdale resides, with the idea that some kind of an economic and, and education development engine should be created to really help grow new businesses specific mm -hmm. to technology. And then I was recruited into the role, and I listened to the original vision, and it was good, but it was relatively small in terms of geographic scope. And what I recognized is that this was way beyond Fort Lauderdale and Broward County. This was a regional effort that needed a resource that could link the, the region together and truly break down the barriers that exist in the tri-county uh, area from Miami to Fort Lauderdale to Palm Beach. And not only have local impact, but regional, national, and international impact at the same time. So I was given an amazing privilege and, and opportunity to be shown 54,000 square feet of concrete. It was just a blank concrete field and never will this ever happen again is my guess. Somebody said, what are you gonna do with this? So I put up my hand and I said, we're gonna build the world's first theme park for entrepreneurs. And that captured a lot of attention and raised a lot of eyebrows. And the concept was how do we support entrepreneurs in our community so that they can accelerate their success and be able to sustain that success. So what we ended up doing was designing truly a theme park concept where we figured out how to reverse engineer the success of an entrepreneur from birth of an idea right through successful exit of a company or maybe it was a global expansion opportunity that they were looking for and figure out what does that infrastructure network look like? What kind of resources are required for an entrepreneur, entrepreneur to be successful? And what does that look like around the world? And then how do we take all of those pieces? And when we say reverse engineer, bring the world in to this 54,000 square foot purpose-built space that really acts as, a, as a, a shopping mall, if you will, a one-stop shop that has storefronts and every one of those storefronts or rides has some kind of return for that entrepreneur and not just the entrepreneur, but those that make them successful. So imagine a collision station where entrepreneurs for the very first time are forced to collide with academia, industry, government, the investment community, professional networks, wraparound service providers, and more, and then take that to another level where we work and form official agreements with innovative nations from all over the world that physically have a presence. So they have an ambassador, if you will, or a desk and a chair in this amazing innovation center where the Levan Center now becomes a gateway or a portal to all of the infrastructure and networks and resources that an entrepreneur requires at any stage from what we call ideate to incubate to accelerate or post-accelerate, which is the founder's journey from start to finish, and then have access where we can import and export to these innovative nations, the entrepreneurs, the investors, the networks, and, and the service providers. And we officially um, built 
out over the, the period of a global pandemic. And I'm happy to say that we did do it on time and on budget in a time when nobody was knowing what they should do, how they should spend their money. How do you find contractors? How do you find customers? How do you develop partnerships and then do so virtually because we were forced to do so. But we were able to launch uh, our, a number of virtual program opportunities until we were able to open in person. And then April the 27th of this year, we did our official grand opening and truly went into full-scale business, which is where we are right now. And there's been some remarkable um, data and successes and metrics that have now been collected in terms of our impact, again, not just locally, but regionally, nationally, and, and internationally. Yeah, I, I, I've said this to you before, but I, I definitely applaud you on the the, you know, rocket success, pun intended, from the, the Space Foundation, but you have such a lean staff, right? I mean, and you guys accomplish tremendous things. And what I think is really fascinating is the business model that you impart, because instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, you very much make it a collaborative environment and a, and a centralized hub, right, for the best and the brightest and whoever wants to come and join the mission, which really has allowed you to service a lot of different types of tech subsets because you bring in, you know, everyone um, and it's, and have had tremendous success in it. And I told you that when I had the privilege of viewing the center for the first time in May, I really didn't know what to expect when I arrived. And it truly was mind blowing because of the facilities that you have, not only to discuss the tech and learn about the tech, but to get hands-on um, like work experience in it. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about the stations? Because that's what I found so fascinating because you really have something for everyone in terms of tech maturation and what people need to accomplish. Yeah, so I, it's funny, as we built this out, I treat it as a business, even though it's non-profit. And we put together an extremely um, talented, skilled team and we've kept it very small. And everybody that has been hired onto our team in essence is an entrepreneur Right. entrepreneur to help build out this business. So we're a scrappy startup helping startups. And when we compare ourselves to other similar types of models around the world, we recognize that there isn't anything that's similar to what we do. So this idea of a world's first theme park for entrepreneurs is really gaining a lot of attraction because we're not just an incubator. We're not just an accelerator for ideas and, and scaling of businesses. We're way more than that. And when you talk about the different stations, uh, it comes back to the rides that go within a theme park. Mm -hmm. And we have everything from co-working space to dedicated offices and, and specialized conference rooms that are absolutely loaded with technology. But what really sets us apart are, are the, the, the roller coasters, if you will, where we have a purpose-built military-grade cybersecurity range. It's the most powerful cyber range in the southeast region of the United States. And part of it is focused on training at the entry, the mid, and the advanced professional levels. The other part of it is, is really focused on applied simulation exercises that will work with industry and government entities of, of all shapes and sizes to do things like pen testing or personnel assessment or real life simulation exercises that are truly replicating what you would uh, experience in a real life cyber attack is testing your infrastructure, right. it's research and development, and uh, and eventually it'll be certified at different levels to work with different three-letter government agencies, if you will. Um, another station that we've created is a full-fledged media production studio, which we continue to enhance. And when we looked at models around the world, we realized that entrepreneurs don't have a place to go to do their investor pitch presentation, or perhaps mm -hmm. it's their marketing, branding, um, advertisement video, or maybe it's some kind of 
documentary on the prototype that they've created or the podcast or the webcast, the radio interview, the TV interview, whatever it is, we now have that in-house capability that we make accessible to basically anybody that wants to utilize it. Another station, which has now completed phase one and we're about to go to phase two, is our technology makerspace. And the technology makerspace right now is focused on 3D printing and we have a fleet of robots and drones that have different capabilities. Um, we've got some other types of machines in there and it's up to entrepreneurs to figure out how to use it. And what's also interesting is we're connected to something called the FLR, which is the Florida Lambda Rail. And mm -hmm. it's a hundred gig per second fiber optic line that allows you to send data to different stations throughout the world and, and do things on, an, on a fiber line that you couldn't do in a traditional environment, which is, again, if you know how to use it, is an amazing resource. And we also have uh, a supercomputer and the supercomputer combined with that FLR, if somebody knows how to put them together, it's unlimited opportunities as an entrepreneur. Uh, the next stage of that technology makerspace is going to focus on artificial intelligence and we're creating two types of labs. One is an artificial intelligence lab focused, uh, focused on digital cities. So people talk about smart cities. Mm -hmm. That's the current trend. We're going to the next level, which is digital cities. That's truly where the world is going. And we'll have the only AI digital cities lab in the Southeast region of the country that will allow entrepreneurs and government entities and private sector to come in and master design an entire city from the entire city right down to the sewer pipe installation and test different scenarios around economics, acts of God, um, different types of products that could be utilized, various types of technologies. It's just extremely forward thinking. And on, on regular AI labs, which is going to be generic, meaning there's certain types of equipment that if you know how to use it, you can apply it into all kinds of uh, environments that make sense for you. The other uh, station that we have is forthcoming and it'll be built out in 2023. And it's a volumetric capture studio. And this is the mm -hmm. one that I'm most excited about mm -hmm. especially because of the application yeah. in space. Um, volumetric is focused or founded on spatial computing. And at some point in the not too distant future, we plan to be the very first center of excellence, an actual designation in spatial computing with the idea that we can bring this new technology and emerging technology to the South Florida region, which attracts new entrepreneurs and new business opportunities. But volumetric capture, the, the best way to explain it is to walk into a purpose-built room that's surrounded by a 360 degree green screen. And in our case, we'll have 66 cameras that have sensors and you'll walk into this room just as a regular human being. And those cameras and sensors will pick up all of your physical movements right down to your audio, if you wish. And then we collect that data. And the, and the easiest way to explain it is it goes through a piece of equipment that spits you out on the other end as a digital hologram. And then I can take your digital hologram and superimpose you into any environment that you could ever dream up. So if we wanna be on Mars, I can put you on Mars and you'll look around as if you are on Mars and you can bring in different types of simulated scenarios. It's truly the future of filmmaking as an example, mm -hmm. is the future boardroom, is the future um, operating room, is your future Broadway play. It can be even your future partner if you wanted a digital partner. I mean, it's crazy what you can do with this kind of stuff. It just takes time and money to do it. But I see a huge space application uh, forthcoming with that. And then we have various other stations throughout uh, and one of the other areas that I'm really ex excited about is we have the only official pitch room 
in the state of Florida, meaning that an entrepreneur, by the time they go through all the rides, their goal is to get to that pitch space where they are sitting in front of investors or coaches or facilitators or mentors or customers or international you know, government leaders where they're pitching their ideas and closing deals in that room. It's made with the psyche of the entrepreneur uh, in mind. And, it, and we, we can already prove that it actually leads in successful outcomes. So that's the windshield tour. There's a lot more behind it from a commercial kitchen to uh, a digital grab and go cafe to other types of unique meeting spaces and huddle pods and, and whatnot. But it's, uh, it's extremely uh, innovative in its own right and uh, definitely a leader that's now captured a lot of attention and others wanting to replicate but don't really know how to do it yeah there's always that secret sauce that's why we're not showing your white your whiteboard <laughs> yeah, yeah move that aside um, no but i love narratively how you wove that together because you know independently if you would talk about those separate rides people would think oh this is vertically integrated with this type of technology but really we live in this society and this reality where really two things are true i i personally believe that no innovation technology is completely um, siloed, right? Everything now has integration to other applications or other markets. So you have to be able to look across the playing field of all innovation and take advantage of opportunities. And the other aspect of it is that entrepreneurship and incubators and accelerators are kind of becoming a buzzword, right? Um, everybody has them. And I loved the point that you made earlier that tech hubs really aren't a thing that you need to look about how to regionally link innovation capabilities to create, you know, the, the future that we all want because it's all ubiquitous. Um, so what are your thoughts on that aspect in terms of creating the right kind of cultures? Because what I've seen in these innovation ecosystems is it's very much competitive, but it needs to be collaborative to be successful because people often interact in these silos and say, okay, I only want to focus on helping AI entrepreneurs. I only want to focus on, you know, um, biotech and med tech, but those are intrinsically linked in a lot of different ways. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on that cultural aspect about how do we think about innovation and partnerships so that we make sure that we're building the future together. So it's, it's interesting. I'm, that's a panel discussion in its own right that can take take all day and can be quite controversial. And, and anyone that knows me, I am a little bit controversial and will be disruptive and I'll take a different angle to things. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that message starts to get out where people begin to inquire and, and, and believe in it. And if you look all over the United States, you look all over the world at, in quote, tech hubs, um, you're right. They, they compete within their own ecosystem, but then they also compete with the global ecosystem. And if you think about what that means in terms of outcomes, it leads to a lot of challenges and not necessarily maximizing all the successes that we could potentially captivate. So when I say South Florida is not a tech hub, I truly believe it and that it has all of the infrastructure that's moving forward to become an innovation hub. And I like that better because innovation leads to many things, including the creation of new technologies. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to these new entrepreneurial journeys. So I'd rather be designated an innovation hub because I think it's much bigger, more expansive. It's not industry diagnostic. It doesn't focus on one specific thing like artificial intelligence. It encompasses everything. And, and people often have blinders on. And then you think about just blockchain. I'm doing that. Or I'm just doing cryptocurrency. Or I'm just doing... Right. AI. Uh, as an example, the problem is that if you're going to be innovative, you can't be innovative. When you're when you got the blinders on, you have to have one rule. And that's our motto every day here at the Levant Center is there are no rules. 
and then yep. an asterisk within legal parameters, of course. Uh, we've, we've added that. Um, but all of these technologies, the emerging technologies that we know of today and those that we're not even aware of yet, they're all coming together and they all support one another. So when somebody says technology is an industry, I will totally disagree with that mm -hmm. because technology is every industry and there isn't anything that it doesn't touch. And, and I believe that you have to take the blinders off. You have to get rid of this competitive focus. And my personal perspective is that if an incubator or an accelerator or a model that does both opens up directly across the street from me, that's amazing because it only builds that innovation ecosystem to the next level. And you can collaborate by pipelining opportunities to one another. So a great example is I just came back from the Cayman Islands um, this last week where we actually signed our very first country desk model. Where we now have an innovative nation physically connected to the Levant Center. And some go, well, why would a little island like that be connected to the Levant Center? And they have their own incubator accelerator program there. It's called Launch Labs. And they're spawning entrepreneurs out of the Cayman Islands where people come from all over the world to to, to Grand Cayman to launch their business because of what the Caymans represent. Mm -hmm. And it's $3 trillion a year go through that little you know, island. You've got every country of the world more or less represented there. And you have all these multinational companies and entrepreneurs that come together that have this amazing network. And when I go to visit their incubator slash accelerator, most people say, well, why would you do that? That's a competitor to what you do. It actually isn't. It's, a, it's somebody that can complements what can complement what we do and we can complement what they do. So now somebody going through that Launch Labs Incubator Accelerator program may need the next level of growth, which means they come to us, we take them to that next level of growth and we have no problem pipelining them to another model somewhere in the country uh, or the world. And, and then you build these bridges. So um, it's very important that collaboration is truly the key to success. And the moment that you become competitive with one another, you're just not gonna move in the right direction. And we have a lot of um, individuals, organizations, public private sector that we engage with where we go in and we're not a threat. Like we are Switzerland yeah. and we will always bill ourselves as Switzerland. And we want you to be Switzerland as well. And then the walls eventually do come down and you realize that we've got infrastructure and resources. You've got infrastructure and resources. Some are similar, some are unique differentiators, but collectively when you start to pull them together, amazing things begin to happen. And an innovation ecosystem without going through all the details has 11 different elements. And there are a few regions of the world that have all of those 11. And the best example would be, um, I'll, I'll say Silicon Valley, but it's really the greater San Francisco area. However, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. So when people say, oh, that's the world's best example, let's copy it. And, and you try to do that in London or Dubai or wherever, you can't because it has a secret recipe that only works for that region, but you can adapt from it. Um, as you know, I come from the aviation industry it's like airlines. Southwest Airlines has always been the business school case study. It's the most successful airline in the world. So let's go replicate it in a different part of the world. And you can't because, again, it has its own secret recipe that you can adapt from. So when people say that, oh, South Florida is the new Silicon Valley of the of the East or uh, Silicon Beach or whatever you want to call it, I cringe and my hair goes up because we are not, nor should we ever be, and we don't strive to be. 
we are our own unique region and every region of the nation and every region of the world is unique in its own way. And that's how you have to market and brand yourself. And what's interesting with all of the trends and the challenges and the opportunities and the new strategies that are being implemented here in South Florida, we're starting to attract from Silicon Valley, from the Boston's, from the New York's, from the Austin's, and then cities from around the world where they're focusing on South Florida because they see the trends that are occurring and they all want to be a, a a piece of that in some capacity or another. So I will say that even in the last three years, it went from an extremely competitive region to definitely a more collaborative region where you now have county mayors that are willing to cross the lines. In fact, mm -hmm. we have the Miami-Dade County on a panel with me on Monday in Broward County. She's the first to put up her hands that I'm not only the first female mayor of Miami-Dade County, but I'm also the first mayor that's going to cross this line and break it down. And we're going to collaborate with one another. And our, and that's the same as going on in Broward and Palm Beach and so on. And tech companies are speaking to tech companies, which normally didn't happen. They had their own individual worlds. Funders and, and angel investor and VC groups are coming together collaboratively, even though they compete for the same resources, but they are partnering uh, with, with one another. And it's kind of funny to see an angel investor and a venture capitalist part of the same groups in, in, because rather than their own any, any longer, because they realize that they, they need to collaborate. But some amazing things are happening. We have a long way to go and the mountain is certainly moving, but collaboration is key. And it's one of the, it's, I use it every day in our vocabulary. It's, it's the key to success. Yeah, you, you just illuminated so many things that I want to pull the threads on. Um, so I'm going to start and hopefully make it a linear path. But um, given this whole idea of localization and, and globalization of these innovation ecosystems, um, you're absolutely right. A lot of times when you try to reinvent the wheel of a success of another area and bring it into your cultural, you're not, your, your cultural perspective, you're not necessarily taking into account the industries that already exist and how they operate and how the economies operate to make economies of scale. Um, so that in and of itself, I always think that innovation, you know, starts local and then it needs to go global because to your point about collaborating with potential competitors, one of the things when I used to, um, consult for entrepreneurs, I mean, I still do, but in my consulting job, I used to tell them all the time and challenge them to go to networking receptions and events of seemingly like adjacent industries, because certain industries, and I think this applies to ecosystems of themselves you speak plus and minus 20% of the same language. So I always say this about the space industry. I know you've heard me say this a lot, like we talk to ourselves. So you're not really going to get much beyond networks in terms of a way of thinking differently. But if you go to a different type of event or a different industry, you may learn best practices or get a creative thought process of something that applies to enhance what your business is. And so it's really critical to in surround yourself by that because it's only going to enhance what your future offering is. Yeah, you hit that bang on. And and when you say you talk to yourself, that's what so many industries do. They yeah. operate in their own silos. And if and, and, and go back to airlines. Airlines talk to airlines. Airlines compete with airlines. Airlines yeah. copy airlines. Well, gee, what if you took an airline executive and put him in the maritime shipping business or in a technology business or a fintech world? There are things that you're going to learn and be able to put in. And that's how innovation occurs. And it's funny to me, too. If you ask somebody, what is innovation? It's often very challenging for somebody to define what innovation is. We use the word every day, we overuse it, but do we even understand what innovation is? Right. And, and, and it's pretty simple in terms of definition, but if you don't know what that is, then how do you get to the, you know, from first base to second base, mm -hmm. if you don't even know what innovation is all about and how you address it? Oh yeah, I mean, because 
at the basic definition, innovation is just a better way of doing something. It doesn't have to be technologically based. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's just improving upon a process. Right. Here's a challenge. Here's a strategic yeah. solution to it. That's yeah. innovation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and going on the global, the global piece that you talked about, and congratulations on signing the Cayman Islands. I know you had been, um, you know, really trying to get in that first country desk. So that's very exciting. Thank you. That really dovetails into where I want to go with the conversation and talk about this space innovation ecosystem. Because, you know, we are extremely excited about our partnership and, um, and for the, the listeners out there. So uh, the Space Foundation has partnered with the Levan Center to create Level 5 Space Dock, which is really uh, programming and resources to train space entrepreneurs and connect them to the global space ecosystem. But really what it's focusing on is helping them find their place in space because I'm a firm believer and John's a firm believer and you know, everyone that's part of our ecosystem that um, any company interest in background and technology can find its heritage in space. But going on um, you know, what you were saying about the Cayman Islands and being able to develop where they need to develop and grow. It's the same thing with space because what I've seen is that people either get too geographically bound or too bound to what they think their technological silos are and they don't necessarily see their identity case in space. They're not able to self-select in because they don't understand what the future opportunities bring to bear and how they can build that future with other industries. So I'd love to get your perspective on that. in terms of you know growing that space ecosystem, because in order to grow and sustain, we really need all people to participate because the landscape is just evolving rapidly. Yeah, so I mean, you know better than anybody um, that the, the the barriers of entry for yes. space have been coming down and continue to, especially with the commercialization and and privatization of the space sector. And space isn't always what's up there. Right? It's inner and outer space, and better than of Earth applications. It's a whole combination of things. And I'll go back to a frustrating experience that started close to seven years ago. At that time, I was living in Miami, and I have a pretty global uh, awareness and, and experience. And I know that there are emerging trends in space that South Florida was disconnected from. So I specifically mm-hmm. went to the community in Miami, and I said, "Dang it." look at space, not as an industry, but as a sector. And we need to do something. We need to plant the space flag right here in Miami or South Florida. And every meeting I went into, oh, great idea, John. But yeah, no, space isn't here in, in South Florida. Uh, we don't do that. And but I'm, and I kept saying, but we do. There yeah. are so many different industries and companies that either directly or indirectly supports space in quotes, or they may not recognize that they have the opportunity to do so with a slight pivot and, and look at things a little bit differently. So candidly, I got thrown out of meetings all the time because everybody believes it's spaceships and, and Martians yes. and, and satellites, and it's not. And and then three years, I was banging my head against a wall. Why can't I get anybody to see the big picture? So I took a rest from it. And then when I moved into my new role, I tried a different community which was Broward County, which thinks a little bit differently than Miami, which thinks a little bit different than Palm Beach. And everybody has their own little areas of of expertise and and strategies. And what I found was that that same message resonated a little bit more. And maybe because privatization is more commercialized now in the sense that people begin to see big names, big brands, and more familiarity with what's going on increased number of launches, you hear about satellites, you hear about these new technologies. Okay, great. So people started to listen. 
And my, my motto then became, we're going to plant the, the, the space flag in South Florida, the South Florida space flag, and it's going to be a real flag, and we're going to put it in the soil. And here's why. And if you take our existing entrepreneurs in our community here throughout South Florida and create awareness and educate them on their business ideas and show them the trends that are occurring related to space, that you could refocus. So I'll give you an example of one specific company that was looking at how to grow food using different types of technologies, not necessarily recognizing that that has a space application, whether it's on a space station or it's on some kind of space vehicle or it's on a, another planet like Mars and doesn't require soil. It just needs a certain type of light, a certain type of humidity. Uh, and it's nothing that we know that exists today, but now does. And oh, gee, I could work with NASA. I could work with private industry to figure out how we can commercialize it and get it to the next level. Or there's grant opportunities, there's investor deals that are out there. And we have a company like that physically resident in the Levant Center where it's now just not an earth company, it's a space company yeah. as it begins to evolve. And they really didn't recognize that, gee, we could do that. So there's numerous other examples where we've, we work with companies in different types of technologies. It may be around data collection and how you better use a satellite to improve a certain kind of industry, and it may be related to the marine sector or you know coral reef restoration, whatever it might be, that's space. And, and we can go on and on about what that looks like. But I think um, what's happening now in South Florida is that there, there's a change, a pivot in terms of what space means and yeah. we can be directly and indirectly connected to it. And, and as you know, and you were a part of this historical event, in October, we literally planted the South Florida Space Day flag right here in South Florida, right in Fort Lauderdale, where for the very first time we took the space sector and the non-space sector, uh, not just in our region, but in our state and even from outside of our state, collectively under one roof and put approximately 400 people together throughout a day to participate uh, with speakers and panels and networking and exhibits. And what happened that day, a movement began. And that movement continues and people are still talking about it and people are thinking and doing things differently, looking forward to next year's space day, which will be even bigger and better. But already we're seeing um, little dents starting to be created where space is now something around the, the, the coffee table where people want to talk and be involved. And, 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 it, and we're helping lead that charge. And our partnership with the Space Foundation is absolutely fantastic because you're national and international in scope highly recognized um, the brand is known and and it will be even more known and we're very appreciative that we're working together in a collaborative not a it's not a vendor relationship it's a co-investor strategic partnership to build out what as you mentioned the level five space stock initiative that's exclusively focused on spacepreneurship and it's a very loose definition but we're going to support that founder's journey from birth of an idea through successful exit using our resources and knowledge and network together to truly create a space sector here in South Florida with international impact. Oh yeah. Well, and the spacepreneurship really does need to be loosely defined at this point because every day we are collectively building the future, both from a government commercial academia aspect to figure out what the future of space looks like. And, you know, as a, as an ecosystem, we benefit from the fact that everybody agrees that space is cool. I mean, everyone, you're not going to really meet someone that's not going to be interested in space. And even if they aren't interested, it at least sparks their interest to have a conversation about it. So it's always a, a great equalizer. Um, but the challenge is, like you said, is to get people to draw their heritage to space. And, you know, you were mentioning the whole um, Earth application, space applications. A lot of people don't realize that these ecosystems already exist. 
because 95% of the global space ROI is the space to earth market. So it's, yeah. if you're an, if you created an app, right, if you're an app developer or you're a, um, in a financial institution that use some sort of like financial time stamping, you have the space industry to thank for that. And so I know that yeah. you and I have had broad conversations about this, but when you look at the ecosystem map for how space is going to look, it really is going to be one of those kind of mind mapping exercises where there's always going to be spokes drawn to everything else. Because as we start to get, as we, as the future becomes more of a reality and more clear, as we have, you know, commerce and low earth orbit, every company is going to be necessary to build and sustain it. And so they need to recognize that now and then build their pathway toward it. So just to show you how space is really beginning to take off, this is probably an appropriate time for me to put on the yes. most highly demanded piece of clothing in South Florida right now. And I'm very so, excited that I have one secured at home. <laughs> All right, so so this is the space jacket, as you know, and we launched these at Space yeah. Day in, in October. And uh, and there are a number of people that were so excited, but I think there's 250 people now that have or are waiting for their space jackets and walking mm -hmm. around proudly. I'm a little embarrassed because I'm, I'm taking a mini vacation uh, early in the new year on a cruise ship. And, and there's a couple that just happens to be on the same cruise ship who participated in Space Day that have their jackets. And they're going to be wearing their jackets on the cruise ship advertising to the world that space is in South Florida. Right. So, yeah, it's great. It's important because it's, I want everyone to feel like if they want to join us, they, there's a place for them to join us, right? They have a yeah. heritage in space. It's important. Um, and really going back to this whole collaborative environment, um, you know, to achieve our collective wish, there's really five technical challenges that we need to accomplish right now for around launch. So making it, you know, um, more reliable, cheaper, routine, cost-effective, um, but then also re-entry, but the launch companies are really, really close to cracking those. So once that becomes a reality and we have the commercial space stations up, um, it's important for people to think about what that is going to enable. When we have Lunar Outpost, what is that going to enable? When you can start mining for water on asteroids in the moon, when you can start manufacturing in space, it's really starting to peel back the onion and see, okay, in order to sustain this sort of technological fruition, what are the other subcategories and narratives and industries that need to sustain it? And when you start to scale it back, it truly is everyone. And so really thinking about economies at scale and what that ecosystem is going to build toward, I think is really critical and what kind of partnerships can be made going back to that theme, because these companies and entrepreneurs don't need to do it alone. They obviously can seek the help of a facility like the Levan Center or whatever's in their locality, but also looking at other interesting startups and entrepreneurial um, companies that they can combine to create something better. Yeah, and you said something earlier about culture and, and, and I'll talk about mindset in, in a community is you have to take, you have to create awareness programs, education programs mm -hmm. to show and that you're not in it by yourself. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, smart or not even smart. It's about if you got an idea. Yeah. And you know to know how to connect that idea to a network. And that's where we come in. And so we're out there actively banging on people's doors. What kind of idea do you have? And if we've got it, we'll help facilitate that to the next level. And what I also think is really important in terms of the longer term future is just working with young minds, get them at the earliest stage possible so that they mm -hmm. become excited about what space is in, in this particular conversation to realize that there's so much more than what they're going to be taught mm -hmm. and that there are entrepreneurial pathways and career pathways that allow you to be 
in that sector, and there are even more. And there are so many unknown opportunities that will happen over the over the coming years, and you can be one of those instrumental drivers. Um, when I was down in the Caymans last week, I met a 12-year-old. That's one of the brightest people I've ever encountered in my entire life that had this amazing AI application that she was building, not recognizing that it could be commercialized yeah. on a global basis and could be used in space. And we yeah. were having this discussion about, you know, that you could be this or do that and no idea. So how do you get to those smart minds at the earliest and create a, a life cycle of, of knowledge and qualified skilled talent that begins to, to become the leaders and the influencers and the disruptors within this particular area of opportunity. So that dovetails very nicely into my last question that I wanted to ask you. But um, thinking about, you know, these future bright minds um, or, or existing companies, because earlier, you know, we touched upon the art of the pivot, which I believe is a completely necessary and valid business point, um, especially when you look at the space industry. What I what I want to make sure is um, known for our, for our viewers that if you're an existing company that is already thriving in an industry, you might be able to just tweak an existing product or service for a new application in space. So these principles don't necessarily just apply to new, new emerging companies, right? It really applies to everyone. But if someone is excited about the future of innovation, of space, of becoming part of an ecosystem, but they don't know where to start. So what kind of advice would you give them um, to really make that next best step? So I would say the best advice is that if you bring that discussion forward, chances are that someone's going to say, you're crazy, you can't do that, you can't go into space. So the guidance there is, that's not your tribe, right? Those are not your people. Mm -hmm. You keep going and knocking on doors until you get somebody that's going to listen to you and help support you and, and elevate you to that next level. And the most important thing that I can say to our listening audience is try to find your innovation center. They're often referred to as entrepreneurship centers. And if you don't know where to start, Google it and in your own community and you'll see things that'll start to pop up. Often you can go to your local university. Sometimes it's your own local community college and they'll have a version of an incubator or an, an accelerator or an idea center um, to help you. And they should be good um, pathways or doors that will then put you in contact with others within that network because it's even though we're a whole world innovation and entrepreneurship centers is a very small world and more or less everybody knows each other or will at some point in time but the most important thing i can say and i said so in a, in a ted talk this last year i said find your innovation center because that is your tribe and that is the, the, the safe friendly environment that's going to get you to the next level and once you've established that relationship don't worry about it. It'll be taken care of from that point onward. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, I always tell people that entrepreneurship is a full contact sport. <laughs> yes, I got a lot of bruises. <laughs> and I'm often reminded of that quote by Winston Churchill that uh, I think it's success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm, uh, which, is, which is truly correct, right? Because I remember when I was starting my consulting company, um, my clients came from the most unexpected places. So it wasn't the people that I thought was immediately going to be a contact, but it would be through, you know, a random conversation I had with someone at a barbecue who all of a sudden ran into someone the next week who referred me. I mean, it really is this nonlinear path, um, but you just have to trust in 
what you want to bring to market and what you want to bring out to the world and know that there will be ears to hear it and receive it. Absolutely. Go with your gut. Yeah. Uh, avoid the naysayers and, uh, and you'll find your people. And, uh, and that's the benefit to coming to somebody like a Levan Center of Innovation. There are other types of models around the world, but I think you said it best in terms of, of, of summing it up, but that's the most important. Find your innovation center and then you will find yourself. Yes. And if you don't also know where to start, just contact John and I. We can we can point Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to do so. Um, well, John, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Is there is there anything that we didn't touch upon that you wanted to make sure to get across? There's so much we didn't touch upon oh, because true. we don't have you know 20 hours to do this. But no, I think we got some really good points across. Uh, I'm very, very happy about our partnership. I'm extremely excited and optimistic about the future of space, short, medium, and, and long term. And I think it's just so important for people to recognize if you're a young entrepreneur starting out or you're an established entrepreneur, uh, looking for that next opportunity is that, again, those barriers of entry are coming down. The resources are more available than ever before and need to be creative and flexible and strategic and, and don't be afraid to knock on doors and, and find out what's going on and go to events in your community and just learn, look, listen, and, and then apply uh, once you, you've, you've got that under your belt. Um, I'm very excited that I was had the opportunity to be on the Vector with you today. I'm so excited about the Space Foundation um, partnership that we've created and continue to grow and uh, looking forward to what happens over the, the, the next year and, and the coming years. Thank you. No, we're very excited. Um, please be on the lookout for Level 5 Space Talk coming to Broward County, South Florida, and globally and beyond. Um, and for our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Um, Please be on the lookout for future Vector conversations. And as always, there is a place for everyone in the future space economy. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bye.